Welcome to Orphan Entertainment, the podcast dedicated to public domain and abandoned media. I'm your host, Christopher, and joining me is the woman that does that voodoo that she does do so well, it's Lydia. (laughs) I had a quippy comeback, but you know. But? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) then, Then yours was just, it just, you know, it blossomed into a whole other... Yep. <laughs> Speaking of awkward moments. Yeah. Not sure where to go from there. How about we just go right to thanking everyone for tuning in and make sure that any uh, they and any new listeners know that they can listen and subscribe to the show from almost any place you can you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Spotify. Uh, wherever you listen, if you have the option to do so, please rate and review the show. If you're a Facebook user, there is a group that you can join. This is a great place to find out what we're going to be covering next, and an easy place to leave any comments on the films or episodes. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search for Orphan Entertainment, and there you can watch many of the films we've covered here on the podcast. And if by chance you want to email us with any comments, suggestions, or feedback on this or any episode, just go ahead and type or record a message and send it to orphanedentertainment at gmail.com. All these links are on our webpage over at orphanedentertainment.com. With that, we will listen to one of the five-minute mysteries and a promo for another podcast. And when we return, we will see what is in the devil's hand. Another five-minute mystery. Inspector Howard, I asked to have you come up here today because I wanted to explain this case in person. Well, I'm anxious to hear about it, sir. On the 654 train from Chicago West today, there'll be a private car. In that car will be James Mayhew. He's carrying with him almost a million dollars in jewels, which he wishes to take to the West Coast. He trusts no one with them. Now, I want you to watch the entrance to that private car like a hawk. One of our trainmen, Mr. Barnes, will join you at the train. He'll have a letter from me. All right, sir. I'll do my best to prevent an accident. You know, I've been a railroad man all my life, Inspector. Used to be a conductor right on one of these trains. Yes, I know. You showed me that in the letter when you met me in Chicago. Uh, By the way, uh, you're sure Mayhew is alone in there? Yes, except for the steward. You know, though, I think I'll just step back there and see if everything's all right before it's time for him to go to bed. Okay, I'll wait here for you. Mr. Inspector? Mr. Inspector? Yeah, what's the matter? I'm the steward for Mr. Mayhew's car, sir. An awful thing has happened. Yeah, what is it? They they sent me to the galley for something. Well, sir, when I came back, Mr. Barnes was gone, and there was Mr. Mayhew shot, sir. Shot right through the head. Well, come on, let's get in there fast. Where is he? Right there, sir. Right there on the floor. He's dead, all right. Uh, Where's Barnes? I don't know, sir. I don't know. He he was gone when I came back. Yeah, what's that? Uh, I don't know, sir. Hey, quick. It's in that locker. Open it up. Uh, Barnes! 
What's happened? Here, wait, I'll have that gag off in a jiffy. Boy, that's Stuart. Hold him. Grab him quick before he gets away. No, no. He hit me over the head and then bound and gagged me. I came to when he put me in that locker there. Then I heard a shot. His, his Mayhew. Yes, he's dead, Barnes. Shot through the head. The, the jewels. I haven't had time to look. Search the steward. He has them. He'd planned to throw me off the train and make his getaway at the next stop. Uh, did you notice what time it was when you came to, Barnes? Yes, I did. I got my hands free and I could see through one of the air holes. It was nine minutes to eleven. I didn't do it, sir. I swear I didn't. I'm sure you didn't, Stuart. In fact, just to prove it, Barnes, I'm, I'm putting you under arrest. At least until we can reach Chicago by telephone. In just a moment, we'll see why the inspector arrested Barnes instead of the steward. But first... The Flashbulb Podcast. Three to ten minutes of fiction brought to you thrice weekly. From cosmic horrors to fisticuffs, fast cars and smart mouths, we've got a chill for every spine. Find it all at flashbulb.com or search for it on iTunes. (laughs) And now, back to our five-minute mystery. Me? Under arrest? Yes, Barnes, you made one mistake. And I'm willing to take a chance that'll hang you. When I asked you what time it was, you said it was nine minutes to eleven. Any railroad man with the experience the real Barnes has had would naturally say 10.51. You've been impersonating Barnes, went in and shot Mayhew, and locked yourself in the locker, gagged. And just to prove it... Ah, The jewels are right here in your pocket. Nice work, Barnes, but not nice enough. Turner, played by Robert Alda, is awakened night after night with visions of a mysterious woman he's never met or seen before. See, now that's what I thought you were going to introduce me as. (laughs) (laughs) One night after seeing this negligee-clad dancer, he goes for a walk and is drawn to a doll shop in an unfamiliar part of town. In the window is a doll that looks exactly like the mystery woman. The next day, he and his girlfriend... Our fiance, Donna, played by Ariadna Welter, go to the shop to try and unravel this mystery. The shop owner, Frank Lamont, played by Neil Hamilton, claims that Mr. Turner ordered this doll and paid for it in full with instructions to deliver it to, to, deliver it to one Bianca Milan. The mystery deepens even further when the couple spot a doll that looks just like Donna. The couple leave, and shop owner Lamont take the Donna doll and stabs it in the chest with a pin. Outside, Donna suddenly collapses with a pain in her chest. Later, while Donna is being cared for in hospital, Rick goes to meet Bianca Milan. Bianca, played by Linda Christian, doesn't waste any time in seducing Rick and pulls him into the folds of the satanic cult of the great god Gamba, led by none other than Frank Lamont. (laughs) Love and loyalties are tested as Rick is pulled deeper and deeper into the cult with promises of wealth, prosperity, and Bianca. The Devil's Hand, also known by the names Witchcraft, The Naked Goddess, 
Devil's Doll and Live to Love was produced by Alvin K. Bublis and directed by William J. Hole Jr. The film stars Linda Christian, Robert Alda, Ariadna Welter, and Neil Hamilton. The movie was made in 1959 by Rex Carlton Productions, but not distributed until 1961 by Crown International Pictures. Rex Carlton began work on The Devil's Hand in Mexico City in mid-January of 59, but the movie did not have its premiere until September of 61 in San Diego, California. It was released on a double bill with Bloodlust. It was filmed in various locations around Los Angeles, including MacArthur Park, uh, the storefront on West 7th Street, which served as a doll shop, and a building in, uh, on West Pico Boulevard that was used as Belmont Hospital. Linda Christian said of the production of the film, quote, The picture was shot really quickly. They were having financial problems and wanted to get it in the can. I don't think everybody got paid. They owed us quite a bit of money. My sister Ariadna was also in the film. She said later, never again to join a film in America. Oh, wow. Robert Aldo was an American of Italian descent and was born Alfonso Giuseppe Giovanni Roberto D'Abruzza. His stage name derived from the Al of Alfonso and the Da of D'Abruzzo, and he may best be known for portraying George Gershwin in the biographical film Rhapsody in Blue in '45. He was successful on Broadway as well, originating the role of Sky Masterson in, in Guys and Dolls uh, from 1950, and with, in which he won a Tony. He moved to Italy during the early 60s and appeared in many European films over the next two decades, occasionally returning to the U.S. for film appearances, as well as television, including a couple guest spots on the show MASH, along with his son, Alan Alda. Linda Christian was born Bianca Rosa Welter. She aspired to become a physician, but after a fortuitous meeting with her screen idol, Errol Flynn, who later became her lover, she was persuaded by him to give up her hopes of joining the medical profession, move to Hollywood, and pursue an acting career. And it was Flynn who gave her her stage name. Christian was actually the first Bond girl to appear on screen, playing Valerie Mathis opposite Barry Nelson as James Bond in the 1954 TV adaptation of Casino Royale. It's kind of like the forgotten James Bond film. How did I miss that? Wow. <laughs> Her younger sister, Ariadna, uh, Ariadna's career was mainly in Mexico. She seemed a bit familiar to me, and as it turns out, I've actually seen two of her films. Uh, I, saw, I have seen The Vampire from 1956 and The Panther Women from 1967. So if you like the uh, Mexican horror films, you might recognize yeah. this face. <laughs> I kept expecting to see one of their names turn up in Manos. <laughs> Didn't. <laughs> Neil Hamilton is immediately recognizable as Commissioner Gordon from the 1966 Batman series. But his career goes back to the early 1900s. His first film role being in 1918's Vitagraph Silent, The Beloved Imposture. I had no idea that he had such a long career. I only knew him from Batman. I, I admit, it never occurred to me to wonder. Yeah, that's my case, too. It's like, well, obviously, obviously that's all he did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's all I, the information I had. It's an interesting cast. And I had no idea until doing the research that Linda Christian and Ariadna, and I hope I'm saying her name right, it's A-R-I-A-D-N-A, -A -A, Ariadna. It, it's Ariadne, or as, her, as it was originally spelled, Ariadna. But, yeah, no, you've got it right. That, I wonder, though, 
if her given name was Ariadna, and then just to make it a little bit more mainstream spelling, she later changed it. It's interesting. The credit is different. Oh, is it? I didn't notice that. Uh, yeah, I had no idea that they were uh, they were sisters until I started uh, doing a little bit of the research here. I didn't either, and they look, in my opinion, nothing alike at all. Robert Alda, I thought was great. You know, the name came up, and I was like, "Well, that's got to be." And yes, and in, in fact, it was his dad. And you can actually see it certainly in profile. You can definitely see mm. the resemblance between the two. They definitely share. Mm. They, they they have the Alda nose, I guess. That's where <laughs> I really see it. Definitely in profile. And I think that. That must be why he seemed familiar to me. But I kept thinking, well, maybe I've seen him as the bad guy in something because he kind of has that bad guy face. Mm. But he has that traditionally bad guy face, not necessarily not necessarily because he played a lot of bad guys, but just, you know, he favors that darker complexion, I suppose they'd say. Yeah, but it wasn't really familiar. I had no idea that Alan Alda's father was an actor, and it was probably because a majority of his career was over in Europe. So he wasn't here in the U.S. theaters all that much. I mean, he spent a good 20 years doing films in Europe and didn't do all that much here in the States. So that's probably why he didn't become um, quite the name. Or, I mean, certainly his, his son's star, I think, probably uh, outshone his dad's, at least here in the right. U.S. <laughs> well, he did a load of TV shows. I noticed mm. that. I mean, anything, Fantasy Island. Uh, if you can think of some a TV show in the 70s, he was probably in it. Um, but only his bit parts. Right, it's just so. a character actor making a one one appearance or, or two, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, nothing wrong with that. I mean, some of my favorite uh, actors are those character actors that show up in every single show that you ever watched right. at some point. <laughs> and you go, I think I've seen that guy somewhere before. <laughs> right. Every time you see him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Watching Midsummer Murders, you're going to see every British actor that was ever on the screen in the last 30 years. And you're going to go, wait, how do I know that person? Yeah. <laughs> Same kind of thing. Some films we watch you, you see people and you're like, oh, okay, we've seen them before. You know, I recognize them from this. I saw this and something they did. Other uh, other than Neil Hamilton, and, and fortunately, only because I've, I've watched some Mexican horror films uh, <laughs> that I knew, that I recognize Ariana Welter. Uh, so it was kind mm-hmm. of interesting watching a film where it's like, nope, got nothing. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah, it is interesting. I was... Uh, I watched the movie before I did, of course, any looking into the uh, the actors or anything. I was really surprised that the two female leads were from Mexico. And I suppose that's extremely naive of me, but it just never occurred to me to wonder if they were just typical American girls or not. So it's really interesting to see in both of their profiles, a Mexican actress, a Mexican actress. Right. Well, Ariadna as Donna, I mean, she does have a bit of an accent but it's um it's kind of one of those accents that's like i'm not sure where to place her mm-hmm. uh, she could be from the northeast she could be from kind of somewhere random that you wouldn't have th- yeah you wouldn't think whereas of. linda christian has no accent at all mm. uh so that made it even more confusing when i started going no they're not sisters <laughs> how can that be um so yeah i i wonder I didn't pick up Ariadna as being a Mexican accent, but I wonder yeah. if it was maybe she has a thicker accent, but yet she was trying harder to make it something else. And so it, it becomes that sort of where are you from, you know, kind of mm-hmm. accent. That's interesting. That's I'm not sure. Question. 
it's not even five minutes into this film until I pretty much think that the character of Rick is just a bit of a jerk. Who are your friends? My date for the afternoon. You're 20 minutes late. Sorry. You hear that? He says he's sorry. You think I should marry a man who's late for his appointment? She's proposing again. Only for the 17th time. You waited all your life for the perfect maid. What's 20 minutes more? You should get over that inferiority complex. <laughs> What's wrong? Nothing. I didn't get much sleep last night. Or the night before, or the night before that. Why don't you see your doctor? Or get some sleeping pills. That may help. Wouldn't do any good. Well... Let's get some lunch. You haven't got much time left on your lunch hour. There's no rush. Why? Did they make you the boss or something? I quit the other day. You didn't tell me that. You said that this job was your big chance in electronics so that you could develop some of your own ideas. You said it was the kind of security you wanted for us to get married. I know what I said. Be a little patient with me, honey. Please. <laughs> Well, it starts off with Donna saying, you know, what is that the 17th time I've proposed to you, to Rick? And so it's it's clear that they are unequally matched in their affection for one another, I think. But it, at the end of the scene, it finds out that, you know, she's like, well, you know, do you want to get something to eat? You don't have that much time left in your lunch hour. Uh, I actually quit my job a while back. <laughs> I wonder if he means a while back, like, you know, 35 minutes ago or like 35 days ago. I, yeah, I got the impression it was it was probably days and he hadn't yeah. mentioned it. And she's like, well, I thought there was everything days. you wanted and was going to give you the stability and the money so we could get married. And he just says, hey, just trust me. And that's where yeah. the scene is. Like, what the well, H? <laughs> that's where I guess that's where you see the speed of the filming coming in. Yeah. But I, the second time I watched it, I thought, so is this... They're, they're giving us backstory here, but they're giving it in sort of a, a kind of a hacky way. It's sort of hacky. Uh, instead of showing this couple at a point where you're like, oh, they've got a real shot together. These kids are going to be okay. They're showing them at the moment where he has become sort of disinterested. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously, I think, I think we're meant to infer from what happens later that the reason he's become disinterested is because of these dreams of this woman he's never met before but at the time it seems like oh he's just kind of a jerk yeah. <laughs> but but if you had first seen them together in a happy situation i think you'd really be rooting for them to to make it but coming in as we do where he's already stood her up he's 20 minutes late you know, to meet her in the park and he doesn't even have a job. So where was he? Yeah. Like, where's he been for what? days? <laughs> for her, yeah, yeah, that he hasn't told her he quit his job, I suppose. And then, you know, shows up 20 minutes late to a park when he's got no job. What is going on with this dude? And I'm not sure that I'm going to buy the, uh, the explanation that maybe he fell asleep in the middle of the day because he's been kept awake by these nightly dreams of a woman in negligee. Maybe. But it's a stretch. It's it's a it's a weird way to introduce it. I feel like they had a moment when they could have introduced this couple and made you really root for them. 
And instead, they introduced this couple and you were kind of like, oh, she probably could do better. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Maybe it's 21st century eyes, you know, viewing this film from 1961. <laughs> but you watch that, you hear that, and it's like, red flag, Donna, red flag. <laughs> Get out yeah, now. He's not even... Yeah, he's been telling you, I'm going to do this job so that we can get married and have stability. And then one day he's like, oh, yeah, I quit my job a few days ago and just didn't tell you. Wait, what happened to the marriage and stability bit? It's definitely, I, I think even even in this era, that's a, I think that's a very, very large waving red flag. <laughs> yeah, especially when you're, you're talking 1960s and they're... Well, I don't know how old uh, Robert Aldo was at the time. Uh, Ariana looked, no, looked still looked fairly young. I'm guessing she was in she her did. 20s. Yes. So it's kind of like 1960s. So. I mean, this is when you're supposed to be like, aren't you like really trying to like get married? Like so you can start having right. those kids and everything like that. You're going to turn into, you're going to be an old maid because you're almost 30. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> Woo, yeah. <laughs> There's the 60s attitude for it. <laughs> <laughs> 50s at least. Yeah, it's they're, they're an interesting couple to begin with. Uh, he definitely seems like the more mature man, mature age-wise, mm -hmm. that, I don't know, it's kind of a strange, it's, it's a bit of a strange relationship, I think. I, it, again, it feels like a relationship that you are not seeing at its best. And I I think you're supposed to understand, later you're supposed to understand, oh, it's because he's having these dreams. But when you first meet this couple, you're kind of like, Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go for the ducks, Donna. Go for the ducks. They're <laughs> They're good. <laughs> Well, I think the next scene, once we're done, is actually him sleeping and being awoken by one of these dreams. And we get to see, you know, what we, who we later find out is Bianca Malong dancing among the clouds. Uh, With some very interesting dance moves. Yeah, dancing, you know, quote unquote. <laughs> yes, the, the very heavy air quotes yes. there. <laughs> and I think that's when he, he you know, he can't sleep. Um He's had this dream. He's woken up, so he just puts his shoes on. He gets dressed and goes for a walk, and and we get our only little bit of voiceover, if I'm not mistaken, in the film is his little inner monologue. How could I explain when I myself couldn't understand it? To dream about a woman night after night, a woman I'd never met, never seen before, and with each dream she became more real, more alive until it seemed that if my hand reached out, I could have touched her. Some will stronger than my own brought me here. Nothing was familiar to me. I'd never been here before, and yet I wasn't lost. An unknown force was guiding my steps, leading me to this courtyard. There was something here that was drawing me close like a magnet. I could feel it pulling me closer, closer. And then, I saw it. It's not even inner monologue. It, it sounds like something that he would be telling to us from later. You know, like, well, let me tell you what happened. Yes, you know, exactly. This is what happened a month ago, you know, when all this started. It's how it comes across. Mm -hmm. 
but it's the only time that it happens and there's no payoff for that later on in the film yeah it, it is that it, it's funny i i didn't think about it because i kept thinking yes we're gonna get more voiceover so i didn't question it but now that you bring it up i'm really questioning it why i guess because otherwise you're going wait where's if if he, they didn't have that voiceover at that moment you'd be like oh where's he going like and and you need the voiceover to understand he's just wandering sleeplessly. Uh, so I guess that, that makes this a bit more awkward of a scene than I realized. <laughs> <laughs> what an awkward scene. Well, speaking of awkward, it does the uh, <laughs> it it does the thing of setting up a film that you don't get. I yes. think which makes it all the more odd, and then actually kind of I think damages the rest of the film because you're expecting something and then that stops almost immediately as soon as he stops talking to himself in his head <laughs> it is, in past it is tense really, <laughs> it is so weird i i didn't realize it but the yeah that's it is really why would they do that <laughs> why would they be like you know what this you know what this movie really needs it needs 30 seconds of narration yeah why just 30 you could have had him wandering because he wanders he walks the streets, and we find out through the voiceover that he walks to a part of town that he's not familiar with, he's never been to before, and he's drawn to this shop, and that's where he looks in the window and sees this doll, and this doll looks just like the woman that's been dancing in his dreams. And he immediately goes and gets his girlfriend the next day and takes her over and says, hey, look at this hot doll. Looks like the doll that I... It looks like this woman that's been dancing in her negligee. <laughs> Brings his girlfriend to the shop, and so why couldn't you have just had the scene of them walking up to the shop and going, look, I couldn't sleep last night, so I went for a walk. I've never been here before, but I ended up here and I look in the window and then look, look at this doll. This looks just like the woman in my dream. That would have I solved the voiceover. Why, but I know why they didn't do it that way. Oh, please. Because that would have put the movie under an hour. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a long movie to begin with. It's an hour and 10 minutes. You could have had him still doing the walk. You don't need to know that he's never been there at that moment. You could have easily had That's him true. tell her that later on. That is very true. Yeah, it, it is It is a bizarre and ill-fated choice, I suppose, to do that, that voiceover right in that particular moment. But also, I have to question his sense of what, what is going on with this guy that sees a a doll version of a hot negligee woman. I mean, and, I mean, let's be clear. It's the sixties. She's basically in a sheer muumuu. So we're not talking about like extremely yeah, racy yeah. clothing or anything like that, but technically it's negligee. Uh, but you know, instead of being like, huh, that's so weird that that doll looks like that. Ooh, creepy. Well, moving on with my life. He's like, I got to show my girlfriend this doll. What? <laughs> what? Wait, what? <laughs> hey, you want to see who what what the hot girl I've been dreaming well, about looks like? Here's a doll that looks like her. What? I'll I'll give him that because this it it makes a big mystery and he wants someone else there to help him try to solve the mystery, I think. But most guys, now correct me if I'm wrong. Please feel welcome if I'm way off base here. Most guys aren't going to go get their girlfriend and be like, look at this hot doll. 
most guys are going to go get their buddy and be like, hey, look at this oh, hot doll. Okay. I've been dreaming about a woman that looks like this like every night for two months. And their buddy's going to be like, whoa, sweet, man. Good job dreaming about that hot girl. I, That's weird that the doll looks I like her. I <laughs> question whether or not, and I have to just write it up to, you know, he's being influenced by what we find out is the god Gamba or something, or influenced by <laughs> Bianca Milan, because... I'm not terribly sure you would have picked up the resemblance in a doll face to a woman you see dancing in the clouds, you know, on your wall. I guess if that's all you think about, Mm -hmm. and he does, I think, at some point mention that he can't, that that's all he thinks about lately. Presumably that's why he quit his job for no good reason is because all he could think about is negligee lady. And I mean, that's what I'm guessing here. So if that's all you're thinking about and you just happen to see the same face in a window and it takes you a second to register that it's just a doll, I could I could see that argument. I still just don't get the uh, the reason for going and getting his girlfriend and showing her. <laughs> that's like being like, hey, uh, excuse me for being a little crass here for a moment, but that's like being like, hey, honey, I was thinking about buying a sex doll. What do you think of this one? Right. Okay. Would you... What... No, I mm. no. I'm I'm gonna say that's <laughs> right. not the first thing I well, would think of. <laughs> I think it was a case of because the plot said so, because they needed her <laughs> yeah. there so she could spot the doll that looks just like her. That is true. Because you know he's I mean, not gonna notice it. <laughs> he's definitely not gonna notice it. <laughs> yeah. So so there's you know there's hole number two we're poking I suppose. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> So, yes, they do find a doll here that does look just like her. And she's like, oh, this was all just a big setup to get me here so you could show me this doll. How cute. Um, just buy- Reasonable assumption. Right. And he's like, I, I don't know what's going on. I don't get it. And honestly, at this point, the movie still has me. I'm thinking, okay, you're building up, faults aside, you're still building up a bit of a mystery. I think you're doing a really yes. nice job with this. Well, sir, you ordered this doll. You paid me in full and told me to deliver it to this woman. And. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. He's looking at his girlfriend. I don't know what he's talking about. I have no right. idea. Everybody yeah. is assuming he's lying that he, and you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. And like, all right, yeah. this is kind of weird. Okay. This is interesting. You know, and now there's this doll that looks like Donna and there's, well, you, someone else, you know, sent me this photo and hmm, yeah, it does look like her. That's quite the coincidence. Wait, what the hell is going on here? The movie <laughs> still has me for, for the moment. The shop owner is Neil Hamilton. He's, you know, Francis Lamont, played by Neil Hamilton, Commissioner Gordon, looking only a little bit younger than he does <laughs> a few years. As Commissioner yeah. Gordon. Uh, well, I guess it was only about five years from, well, six years, I guess, from the time they filmed this to to Commissioner Gordon. So I guess he shouldn't be uh, too different. <laughs> As soon as they leave, he takes the Donna doll, he takes that big old hat pin and shoves it right into her chest, which causes her to actually collapse out on the sidewalk. Like, okay, all right. So now we got voodoo and we got this mystery about the dolls. It's like, okay, you still have me. (laughs) Also, also really good moment because you're like, wait, he just, he just stabbed her voodoo doll. Why? Why? He didn't even know her. Like, he literally just made this very clear point of saying, no, this doll was not ordered by this man. It w- This is not a picture of you, even though it's a picture of you. It's not a picture of you. It's a picture of another woman that I know. 
And then he stabs her. And then obviously it's her. So yeah, really good mystery going on so far. I'm with you there. Yeah. And the fact that I, it's really surprising you're, if you're only used to seeing uh, Neil Hamilton as Gordon, you know, the, the stalwart, loyal, uh, <laughs> super, you know, good in the law and order commissioner in Batman, to see him like take pleasure at stabbing this hat pin and then pinning it to the wall... Yeah, that's pretty disturbing. (laughs) It's like, he's a creepy bad guy. He does a really good (laughs) kind of, like, bad guy. I didn't (laughs) see that in him. (laughs) Now it makes you wonder about everything you ever saw Commissioner Gordon do. Yeah, I've I've wondered if uh, Batman knew about... Gordon's dark past. <laughs> <laughs> it's. I think. I think when we talked about it earlier, I said it was. It was part of his uh, community service becoming the commissioner. Rehabilitation. Gordon to make up for yep. Being a cult leader. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we see Donna. You know, is in the hospital with a quote unquote heart spasms. Yeah. And they they usually come on suddenly. You know. Ha ha. It's a it's a brain cloud. It's a brain cloud. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, literally the the whole everything with the hospital. It does sound like someone that has absolutely no medical experience and asked absolutely nobody, and went, uh, yeah, heart spasms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what she's suffering. That's pretty from. normal for him to come on suddenly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and after that, Rick just tells Donna, you know, trust me, I'm gonna go find out, find this Bianca Milan and. I'm going to figure out this doll thing, and you stay here in the hospital and be fine. Okay. Then, of course, Donna does the, I just feel like there's something evil happening. (laughs) I know you have to go see her, Rick, but be careful. Right. There's something not right. Because this is all very... I I just don't... I, I guess I'm... Wow, maybe, again, maybe it's a product of 21st century thinking, but I don't think I would have linked any of these things together. (laughs) I just, I just would have been like, no, dude, I'm in the hospital and you want to go see some chick because you saw a doll that looks like her? What are you, what? Donna, go for the ducks. They're the better (laughs) bet. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Now, when Rick does get to Bianca's, any hope I had for him <laughs> as a decent human being leaves almost immediately. I know he's been dreaming about her and I know that she's been influencing him and she's very honest. That's kind of a, a neat twist in this story is she tells him right out. Forgive me for being so persistent, but what made you so sure I was coming here tonight? I invited you and you accepted. Let's be more specific. I'm here for just one reason. I know why you're here, Rick. Then you know about the dreams. Naturally. It's a simple process of thought projection or a thought transference. Thought projection? You're telling me that you danced and talked to me from, from this apartment and I received your image and voice in my room? You doubt me? Of course not. I'll get you the number of a good psychiatrist sort of takes it all in stride with some disbelief but like oh really well can anyone do that yeah (laughs) and i was thinking because by the end you know she has her servant mix up some drinks in the other room and then brings them out they both have a drink and everything and then like within 30 seconds 
they're kissing on the couch. I'm thinking, oh, well, she's drugged his drink. You know, <laughs> the, he, she's she's doing something to control him, and she's drugged his drink. But we find out from the events that happen later that that has nothing to do with it. He's no, all too happy to look like, no, I think I want you. My girlfriend's in the oh. hospital with a heart spasm, but <laughs> you're here and hot and been dancing in my dreams, so... <laughs> You're here and not. Well, I mean, you know, they, they do go to the trouble to explain that she has worn down his resolve because she knew that he wouldn't leave Donna if she hadn't made him want her by making him dream about him about her night after night. You know, it, so so I mean, it, it it the movie provides an explanation. And and frankly, at this point, if we are, you know, suspending our disbelief. I'm going to go with it. I'll say, okay, yeah, she has been intentionally just like spellbinding this guy. Now, you know, we're going to assume that she can, you know, we're we're not going to say, oh, you know, this movie is so stupid because people can't really astrally project themselves. What we're going to do is we're going to say, yeah, okay, you can do that. My big question is why Rick? Mm -hmm. He's not rich. He's, He's, He's unemployed, looking, I suppose. He's he quit his job because she keeps dancing in his dreams. What about him is so interesting? He even asks the question, and we don't get an answer. It, it, it's so confusing. I mean, now, now, I mean, I know. Obviously, we're talking difference between reality and fictional movie. But if she could, if she's knocking off somebody like Errol Flynn on the side, <laughs> <laughs> why? Uh, no, no disrespect to Robert Alda. Just, it's such a, I think the weirdest part about it is it's almost like they just picked a, a random actor. Obviously, they wanted to cast these two sisters. Makes perfect sense. I get that. No questions there. But there's nothing about this character that makes him interesting, except that apparently he's susceptible to to negligee dreams. I mean, she's like, well, who's the guy that is going to be the easiest to get into his head? There's nothing else that seems to be attractive about him in the in the visceral sense. That's not the word I want. But why Rick? Yeah. Like he's engaged to a girl. It, does she it, it, there's even later on, even later when Francis says, you know, oh, this is one of your short-term flings. You are going to keep it short, right? You're still going, but why him? There's, he's not a, he's not a genius. Clearly he's not a genius. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's, he's losing his girlfriend to ducks, so he can't be that bright. But it, it, uh, it I, I want this movie to at least give us some reason for Bianca being interested in Rick. If there were any reason provided, like he's a great golfer or anything, you know, but there's nothing. She's just like, I want you. And he's like, well, since you're dancing in my dreams, I want you too. let's smooch. Right. And it's it, right. There's no I think the biggest flaw for the movie at this point is nobody has any motive for anything they're doing. They're just wafting through, deciding to do whatever doll pops up in the window in front of them. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, they make it clear that the two have never met. So it's not even like he has anything to bring to the cult. You know, he's not. <laughs> yes, exactly. He has no he's, inside uh, track into something that they can use to gain power yes. or or anything. And we, 
as we all know, that is actually the purpose of cults is to gain money and power. So this makes no sense at all for him to be brought into it. In fact, as we progress into this movie, as you find out more and more about the people in this cult, you start wondering, how does this cult even exist? Because by now it should be broke and probably nobody should be attending on a regular yeah, basis. This is the uh, satanic cult version of the, what religion is it that doesn't believe in sex? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's obviously no procreate. Well, I mean, th- I suppose that is the one thing that this does believe in is oh, lots and lots apparently. of sex. Uh, possible roulette murder. Yeah. And, and getting all the horse racing right. <laughs> so they don't need money. We know that. Right. So they've got, they've got money. They've got all the sex they can want. And yet Bianca picks Rick. Right. I don't understand what's going on here. Well, going back to where you're saying that, you know, she's worn down his resolve. So, you know, he makes, it makes it easier for her to seduce him. I would give you that up to the point where he's like, okay, I want you. And she's like, nope, not unless you join the call or not unless you join the, my our group or whatever. And you think, <laughs> okay, I fine. Thought I and, thought any man in his right mind is going to be like, whoa, 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 lady. I'm, I'm even, I'm w- even willing to give, give him the, okay, I'll, I'll go to this group and see what it's all about. And they go to the meeting <laughs> O worshippers of Gamba, the great devil god, hear me well. Tonight is the first night of the full moon. The tides rise to their highest level and vibrations fill the air. It is a time for restlessness and madness. It is a time for death. For Gamba decrees it. Gamba, the great devil god, commands that one of you A human sacrifice must be offered. Only Gamba can determine whether a life will be taken. The judgment is his. Bring in the subject. He gets there. He sees the the roulette uh, test of death or whatever. (laughs) And... Oh, great Gamba, we offer a new subject who has come to join us. During his trial period, watch him, study him, and then test him, oh, great devil god. Will you swear absolute allegiance to the great devil god, Gamba? I will. Will you follow his commands without question, though it means someone's destruction, even your own? You will, above all else, seal your lips and swear yourself to secrecy. I will. You, his sponsor, will be held accountable. Do you accept this responsibility? I do. It is done. From this moment on, there is no turning back. You are one of us now, a member of the cult of the great devil god, Gamba. Guard this privilege well. Submit your soul to Gamba? Sure. I mean, it's okay, literally yeah, I guess it's so. literally that easy. It is. It's it, And he doesn't say, I swear. He's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. And they're like, okay, now Donna, or not Donna, now Bianca, you are his AA sponsor. Yes. If he doesn't go out and be evil, you're held responsible. <laughs> yeah, I just don't get 
<laughs> I just don't get anybody that would go there. And then when someone says, do you promise to give up God and, your, and, and your submit soul your soul and... to, to Gamba? And he just, yeah, sure. Okay, why not? Well, but I mean, as we know, he's under Bianca's spell. So he I really, really guess. wants sex with her really bad right now. Apparently. To the point that he will give his soul to get some with Bianca in like an hour and a half when they get back to her place. So... Obviously, though, not right away, because he has time for a cigarette when they get back to her place. <laughs> <laughs> this is a confusing movie. A little bit. <laughs> I saw a review somewhere, and it just one of the lines that... It was a review from the time, and one of the lines that jumped out was... I wish I, I should have copied it and, and, and wrote it down, but it was a little bit like, um, there's no one in here that you would expect anyone would want a soul from... In fact, yes, none, of, exactly. none of these none of these people actually even act like they have one to be to exactly. sell. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we, the people that we start to learn about, and there aren't many that we learn about. There aren't many in the group to begin with. Uh, it is a bit of an eclectic group, let's say. But it, it, they're not. None of them. They're all Ricks. All of them. I don't. Bianca is the exception. Bianca is a, a very attractive woman. And it appears that they have a goddess statue that looks an awful lot like her without a shirt on. And the, of course, Francis doesn't have to be attractive because it, it, let's just be real blunt here. In this male centric society of the 1960s, any man in a position of power, it doesn't matter what he looks like. So I'm sorry for getting Pardon me. <laughs> That's just how it is. It's so. It's, do, do you suppose not, he's dancing in some women's dreams? <laughs> <laughs> no, I suppose that he's uh, making some woman dream about getting him his pipe and slippers at this point. But that's my supposition. You know, everybody else is welcome to their own. <laughs> but yeah, so Bianca and Francis are the only people in this cult that bring anything to the cult. <laughs> it's so weird. But yet they keep a tr they keep bringing in people, yeah. I, I don't, and I and I guess still the only point of it is just to be evil. They're like, well, they're taking an oath to be bad. But are they being <laughs> evil? You don't even see them do anything evil outside of their I, little cult meeting. They're they're trading on the stock market, yeah, and making he, he money. He trades doing on it. stock market, and he he goes to the <laughs> racetrack and bets on horses, and wins eight times in a row. Yeah. But presumably because Bianca tells him what to bet on. He's not, uh, you know, he's not stealing lollipops from babies out of their out of their car carriage or anything. <laughs> he's not pushing people in front of the trains. He, the worst thing he's doing, and this is pretty bad, I will admit, is he's leaving his ex-girlfriend in the hospital for probably weeks with a heart condition. Totally, totally just in, in gone and i love it when he finally shows back up she's like oh hey oh no this made me mad because what she does is she says i understand why you don't want me anymore oh like well, oh god <laughs> if she's if she in that scene if she had if she had looked ill enough to get an oscar nomination i mean this would have been a totally different movie <laughs> no, this she, would have she still been a, great yeah she does she looks perfectly healthy she looks a little downcast but eh you know he came to see her so it's she, she at least gets to say i'm dying so i can understand why you just ghosted me after 
our intense relationship with ducks. <laughs> but it's, you know... <sighs> Oh my god, I, my mind is just boggled. Yeah. No, I, I, there's, you're probably suffering some, from the same thing I am. As you're watching this movie, <laughs> you're constantly waiting and waiting for it to be a better movie. You're I, thinking, yes. oh, okay, he's trying to get to the bottom of this mystery. So you know he's smarter than we think. He's he's actually he's he's playing them. and we're we're gonna see it at some point where he's gonna flip the tables on them. Yes. And, that, do, I that think that's not that's there. That doesn't is. happen. You know, nothing you expect happens happens. It's just because well, you keep expecting it to turn out that either a he's a smart guy, b he is a sly guy, or c he's actually really a good guy. And it turns out that he's none of those. He's just some dude that we can't figure out why Bianca wants it. Right. <laughs> and this is a, one of those movies too that. It's like, okay, we need an ending. Let's end it. Okay, it's over. <laughs> well, it, it, I think what the, I, I think the thing that disturbs me the most about this movie, and this is honestly disturbing, <laughs> I'm a little ashamed to admit it. At no point did I think, I'm just going to turn this movie off. I, I just can't be bothered to finish it today. <laughs> and the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, this is weird. Okay, what does that mean? No, they didn't explain it. Okay, well, oh, that's interesting. What is that? What, what's going to happen? What does that mean? Nope, nothing there either. Okay, well, but that's kind of interesting. <laughs> it just it leads you on from breadcrumb yeah, to breadcrumb yeah. without ever being truly awful. Because it's which is constantly give you something <laughs> that you're gonna you're you're waiting for the payoff to that thing that it just gave you, and yeah. it n- is never there. It really, and it, it's it is. I will say this for it: it is well paced. This movie is well paced. At no point do you have time to look at your watch. Yeah, no, it clicks along. That's true. It it does, and I think that's the that is really the saving grace yeah, of this movie. I think movie. it's only what sixty seven minutes long or so, something I think like an that. Hour and eleven. Hour eleven. Like okay, that. yeah. So I mean, yeah, it, it fills that time with with plenty. There's a lot going on. It, it, now, it's not necessarily exceptionally well acted. It's not necessarily exceptionally badly acted, which is also funny. You would expect for a movie of this caliber, a movie of this depth of emotion and meaning to have somebody in it that's just a crap actor. And there really isn't anybody. It's very shocking. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it, it's the weirdest. I, I think this is probably of the movies we've watched Possibly with the exception of Carnival of Souls, which stands out as the most disturbing movie I've seen since <laughs> Blue Velvet. Uh, I'm going to say this is the weirdest movie we've watched on this podcast because it's such a weird. It feels like chicken pot pie, but when you bite into it, it's beef. <laughs> I was just going to say, I just had this thought of all the films we've watched. If you take them and, and you list them from like the best to the worst... This film, I feel like, is like right there in that middle. Yes, it's <laughs> it's literally on that fifty-yard line here. <laughs> it has so much potential that it doesn't quite reach. No, <laughs> and it has such really good acting that you don't see anywhere in the yeah, movie. What's the uh, <laughs> what's the saying that the reach exceeded their grasp? 
But in, th- in mean, this film, it feels like they <laughs> they had all the reach they could, and they just went, nah, yes. let's not bother. That And honestly, it feels like, I, I feel like this movie, there's a real plot in here somewhere. Like, there, this really is an interesting plot. And you, and you kind of want Donna to be happy, and you kind of question Bianca's motives. But at no point do you really go, oh, Bianca's evil, I hate her. At no point, I mean, Francis, yeah, you're like, he's a cult leader. We're obligated to hate cult leaders as Americans. Was I, um... Was I wrong, too, in some of the way they were writing Bianca? You were getting the impression that she was actually kind of really enamored with Rick now? Oh, yeah, no, she totally is. Yeah, and so now she's, like, sort of questioning whatever the original plan was for Rick. Now she's thinking maybe that's not what she wants to do anymore, and that doesn't go anywhere either. And I actually, I think that, we asked a question earlier, and I may have just come across the, the answer to it in part. How do they attract people to this cult? With sex. That's what it is. So, I mean, basically, they, they suck you in by promising you sex with a hot woman or a powerful man. And then you're part of it. And then they just kind of ditch you and you're just still in the cult. Mm. Oh, but you have, you know what? Oh, my God. It's a pyramid scheme. <laughs> That's what this is. It's not a cult. It's a pyramid scheme. Because you join up. You promise them your soul. But then they kind of are like, okay, now you have to go out and find more people. Mm. And then they keep they keep building their, yeah. you know, representative base, quote unquote. Yeah. But then each of their representatives has to go find as many. This is a pyramid scheme. Yes. That's what this is. This is multi-level marketing. I knew it felt creepy for some reason. <laughs> and that's why. I am not joking. No, I have I way agree. too much it's like those weird stuff. office things or those offices where they like, yeah, you can be a manager and you got to go out and hire like, you know, three other that, people and they'll work for is. you and you get more money if they make more money. And yeah, that that's what this is. This is multi-level marketing at its core. The only difference is instead of having to buy $500 worth of Amway products, you have to promise your soul to Gamba, <laughs> which is almost the same thing. <laughs> Oh, I feel so relieved. I now understand this movie. This movie is a training video for Amway. <laughs> Look, if anybody listens that that is an Amway representative, you know, I'm just as an example, I'm not actually knocking yeah. Amway, but that is what this is. Gamba this way. is actually this is, yeah, Gombo Way. This is a training video for multi-level marketing. You need to look attractive. You need to draw them in. They have to sell their soul to you. And then you send them out to get more representatives. That This movie actually makes perfect sense to me now. It makes a lot more wow. sense if you look at it that way uh, it, than, than it did before. There's just so <laughs> many things that they bring up. There's, there's a line the, uh, from Bianca uh, saying that... Uh, she was saying that before she found the, the 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 cult, the way I looked, you would never you would never have wanted me. So apparently, oh, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, so apparently, well, clearly they can make you rich. So I, I guess guess maybe they, they can they, make you beautiful too somehow uh, and hey, some magic money buys way. plastic surgery. Yeah, why not? Doesn't explain <laughs> the uh, doesn't explain the two overweight sweaty guys. You know why they I were still like- there. Maybe that's why they joined. They're bottom tier, trying to work their way oh, up possibly. the pyramid. <laughs> Well, we find out the one guy was a, a reporter trying to expose him, but... <sighs> but leaving his notes under a cushion or something. Why? Oh, uh, yeah. It was, that's another... That was 
the most oddest scene not going into all the details of what was happening or whatever, but it was just so the entire scene was so forced and so ridiculous that, you know, you come down, I think, I think there's a prowler. There's someone down here. I'm looking around and makes no notice of the big, of the, the big curtain that's been ripped off the wall to expose the door, (laughs) but does notice the small slip of paper sitting on the floor that just so carelessly was dropped. Well, I mean, this is a sex cult, so clearly somebody snuck in to do the naughty oh, and yeah. tore the curtains down. That's totally normal. Oh, sure. That happens all the time. To, but they, paper on the floor? No. They wanted to they wanted to <laughs> do it on the altar under the roulette wheel of uh, of doom of Gombo there. <laughs> Just roll across all of those foot pedals and see what happens. Wow. Yep. Well, you know, actually, I feel like now that we've figured out that this is like multi-level marketing, uh, I feel like this movie makes perfect sense. <laughs> like, actually, I, that was the piece that was missing for me because that is the thing. Like, <laughs> I'm so sorry, guys. You're totally I'm letting my history like really influence this episode. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was I was a child of a of a multi-level marketer, <laughs> but but. <laughs> It, it it is it, that that way it makes sense they don't need rich people they just want people that are they want suckers that's why they like rick that's why bianca goes for rick and then yes i think you're right i think she actually then decides oh no i actually really like this guy and i really want to keep him around but i can't tell francis because francis will be mad and stick a hat pin in his doll so i mean you know from there it kind of makes sense but if it's if they're just trying to sucker people in this movie actually makes a lot more sense than if Rick is actually special. Yeah. Because if Rick is special, they don't show it anywhere in the movie. But if this is a movie about people getting suckered into a scheme or a scam or both a schemey scam, then this makes sense. Yeah, that would make sense, especially for Rick, because we do see that he has friends. He's he's connected. You know, he's got friends. He's, he's got friends that he's at that they know who he is at the uh, at the racetrack. Um his uh, accountant or whatever, or whoever it is, he was like, like, wow, you, you were, you managed to sell that, you know, you told me to sell those stocks. And then the next day they, the bottom fell out. And, you know, mm-hmm. how do you, I don't know where you're getting your information. So yeah, obviously Rick has some connections. So yeah, he could, I, I'm guessing he could use that. Well, I'll tell you my secret. Come to this meeting, uh, you know, yeah. the next full moon. <laughs> right, right. And if you sign up, three of your friends will waive the registration <laughs> <Right>. fee. Like, <laughs> yeah. So okay. So actually, I feel like that was that was the the little key that we were missing. Now, I'm actually much more satisfied with this movie now <laughs> than I was ten minutes Lydia, ago. Lydia found an extra <laughs> oathful for the for her movie. I, I found it. I, I didn't say that. I just that I made sense of the movie up until yeah. now. It was like. There, there just were massive just holes, just huge old gaps. But looking at it as it's just this like like kind of skeezy thing that like the person at the top just needs more bodies under them to get more powerful. If that's what this is, then this makes perfect sense. And that does that is what Francis and Bianca's relationship feels like. They're the two leaders in this thing. They go out, they find more people, they sucker them in, they toss them aside so that they can bring in another person. And if all that matters is, you know, using bodies to climb up the hill, then it makes sense. Uh, Up until then, if, if Rick was actually the main character in this movie, 
I mean, technically he is, but if he were the most important person in this movie, it doesn't make any sense. But with Francis and Bianca as the most important people in this movie, the movie does make sense. And it actually would be a better movie if Francis and Bianca were the main characters, I think. If you came into it with this Told the story from their perspective. Yeah. Yeah. You have this power couple that actually does have the ability to tell the future, to, to see fortunes, to astrally project and they just pick some poor schmuck and then it turns out through the process of it that bianca actually falls for this schmuck well that's an interesting story Uh, the problem is they told the story backwards and they tried to make it about rick who is not interesting at all no and he he's very much like i was saying where where this film falls on our list of films is right in the middle that's that's exactly what he is too he is he is not not interesting but he's not yeah, interesting. He's not an idiot. <laughs> yeah. He's this guy that has ideas. As, as Donna puts it early on, she says, but you said this job was your ability to, you know, make things happen. You were going to, you know, really yep. find your way. And whatever and he's it is the guy that he that's did. got potential. Right. He's, he's the guy that's got potential. But he's not like terribly clever and he's not terribly cl- stupid. He's not terribly good looking and he's not terribly ugly. He can enunciate better than I can right now, but beyond <laughs> that, he doesn't have a lot going for him. It's interesting. Well, man, we cracked that yeah, in. Yeah, like, that was good. The last 10 minutes of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. Makes so much more sense. It does. That's really funny. Well, I would I would watch this movie if it were about Bianca and Francis. And now I'm actually kind of inclined to go out and find a movie about a couple of cult leaders. Because <laughs> that, I think, would be an interesting story. But just, you know, some schmuck that gets suckered in and, and maybe the girl, you know, the the lead girl falls for him or maybe she doesn't. Eh. You know, I, I'm trying to think what scenario would make Rick a really great leading man would it be a different actor would it be a, a, a fascinating profession I, I just don't think there's any way i think that he becomes yeah i think person. this film needed more time all across the board i think it needed more time to someone to actually write a better script <laughs> i think they needed more time to actually initiate that script and actually <laughs> you know, it needed to be more than maybe an hour and 11 minutes. I mean, there's mm-hmm. there is stuff in this movie that you want more of and mm-hmm. you don't get it. How do they make the dolls? Yeah. Yeah. Where do I the dolls know, uh, even come in, from? Yeah. What's inside the dolls? I want to know that. Yeah. Yeah. What was Rick going to do? What was the job that he had? <laughs> How did he meet Donna? Are Donna and Rick even any good together? And who ordered the doll? (laughs) (laughs) There's so many elements of this movie that I think are, are, or could have been interesting that just, they just, it just goes nowhere. They give you all these little great ideas. They're, the movie is like Rick. You know, it's, it's full of ideas, but this doesn't have the (laughs) gumption to go and, uh, and do anything with them. <laughs> this this movie is the 1961 equivalent of the TV series Lost, where it has all these interesting things happen, but in the end, you're just left with more questions than answers. And you're like, well, that could have been really amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but really, since they didn't answer anything with it, and it didn't really go anywhere, and pretty much everybody died in the end, well, 
Uh, and uh, by the way, I haven't finished Lost, so I don't know that everything <laughs> in the end. Uh, that was not a spoiler. If it was, I got lucky. But <laughs> but yeah, it. this is just, th- it, there are just too many questions at the end, I think. The biggest question is going to be how many Othals do we think it deserves? Yes. And I've been bouncing back and forth between one and two all day long. <laughs> and I'd go as high as two because despite everything we've talked about, it's not completely unwatchable. Like you were saying, I mean, there's never a point in this film where you're like, ah, oh, screw this. You, you, you want to turn it off. <laughs> Skip to the end. Right. <laughs> but it's also not a movie that I would ever recommend anyone watch. <laughs> so it's like, I'm, I, and- I enjoyed watching it, <laughs> but I wouldn't tell anyone to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they listen to the podcast, in which case you're like, hey, you can watch it so you know what we're talking about. Yes, <laughs> I, I hope you've already watched it. <laughs> it's it's funny you said bouncing between one and two all day. I, honestly, I, I was going to go with two or three. But then the more we talked about it, I think actually I just have to give it a two. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, there's, it, it it's. It's, I want to be able to give it a three. And it's that middle of the roadness about this movie that makes me want to be able to give it three stars. But I think that it's, the premise is a three or a four star premise. Mm. And the movie is a one or a two star oh, movie. I think, I think there are ideas in this. I think there is a way to take a lot of the stuff that they have in this film. Some of the ideas, the, the, the cult, the the mysticism, the voodoo, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Oh, you yeah. could make this into a damn creepy horror film that could jump oh. it up to like a five. I mean, it's yes. in here. There's Ooh, potential. You talking about that. There is so <laughs> yeah, much potential is. in this movie. And it's just, it's not only is it not realized, it so falls short of it. It's so disappointing. I could, there's no way yeah. I could go as high as a three just out of that, just the sheer disappointment. <laughs> the disappointment. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I, I'm with you there. It's interesting. It has some fascinating themes in it. Uh, it's got the real, um, you know, let's blame women for for all of our desire to be sexually promiscuous. Of course, it's always the woman's fault for, for tempting you. It's got, would you, you know, the selling your soul for sex or money or anything like that. It's got the, would you leave a person you loved if they were dying question. It's got so many themes in it that are a lot of fun to, to explore. And that's what makes me want to give it a three. And, and it just doesn't, it doesn't have any really bad acting in it. And that's what it comes down to. No, it's not. That's not what it comes down to. It's a solid two for me. Yeah. Uh, I want it to be a three. I really want it to be a three, but it just isn't. Yeah. And and I'll admit that I'm giving it the two that I am. I think because because of some of the, because of some of the actors that are in it. Because of just the the novelty of seeing Neil Hamilton in a very <laughs> much not Batman role. Um, <laughs> For seeing uh, Ariana Welter and going, wait, I recognize her. <laughs> um, for for seeing uh, Robert Alda and and going, oh, I, I he does look I like his his, his okay. son does look like him, right? When he turns his head, it's like, oh, look, they got the same nose. You know, there's like the little bit of novelty uh, it, that goes into this film, and I think that's mm-hmm. about the only thing that for me bumps it up to that too. But 
Yeah, I could see that. I think every everybody in this, I'd be interested in seeing them again in a better movie. Uh, even Linda Christian, interestingly, is not the type of character I would typically be interested in watching again. But I do, I like the the conflict, the inner conflict we see with her in this movie. I think that's one of the the few uh, positive aspects, like really positive aspects about it is you kind of get this feeling that she's trying not to tell Francis it's over. I honestly feel like her like production notes were more involved than the actual script. You know, her or her direction, her direction notes. Yeah, I could see the that. The director pulled her aside and, and went to so much more detail. Okay, in this scene, yeah. I want you to look conflicted and this and that and everything. Well, that's not, <laughs> um, I, where does that, it doesn't matter what's on the page. <laughs> yeah, and everybody else, it was kind of like, oh, here's the phone, dial it in. Yeah, yeah. You read what's on the paper, Linda. Let's try this. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can see that. There is a moment when when Francis looks at Donna when she's insisting that it's her in the doll, and he just, you know, that face that you're talking about where he's really good as a bad guy, and it's like that's that's the one moment. If they had that through the whole movie, if they had that level of creepiness or emotion or in, or uh, involvement throughout the whole movie, this would have been a, a three or four star easily, but it's just too flat. I was really hoping we'd sit down and see this real kind of like a hidden gem of the 1960s oh, horror film. That would have been fun. Yeah, it really... And it could have been. Yeah. I feel like it could have been, and it just wasn't. No. So yeah, okay. Two solid twos. From, uh, from <laughs> Dude, two two. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a little disappointing, but uh, well, yeah. enjoyable. But weirdly, but disappointing. yeah. Another uh, still, I still feel like it's weird that at no point, both times watching it. Uh, oh, quick side note: if you get the chance to watch this on Prime, don't. That is the worst uh, quality of any classic movie I've seen of anything anywhere. Uh, so if you guys haven't watched this yet, don't watch it on Prime. Oh, I was wondering about that because I did not. There's, I watched it off the YouTube. There's anywhere else I think you'll get a better quality than Prime. Prime, it's uh, blown out and the audio is horrible. In fact, the set, I watched it first on Prime. The second time I watched it, it was like watching a completely different movie. Oh, nice. Much, much more enjoyable, by the way. So, yeah, avoid Prime at all costs on this particular movie. Excellent. Good. Thank you for bringing that up. I, I was curious. I saw that it was available, but I didn't get a chance to check it out myself. I did watch the one that I, I have on our YouTube channel, and I think that is a it's a fine quality. I think the audio mm -hmm. is good. The picture is good. So I'm happy that I watched the right one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess that will do it for this, uh, this episode. This is coming out in October. Happy Halloween. <laughs> yeah. If there's a Halloween, I hope you have a happy one. It's the Halloween season, If it, no matter what. Uh, really, we were really hoping that we'd have a better Halloween episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is, there's a lot of creepiness in this movie, so that works. It's probably worth mentioning that there is another movie by the same name uh, that was released much, much more recently. I think 2016, 2018. Um I have not watched it. It looks like it could have been extremely loosely adapted from a similar premise. I doubt it's the same movie. It may be great. Uh, I'd love to know if any of you watch it and it turns out that it really is a great movie. Let us know on Facebook. Yeah, on yeah it'd be page. very interesting if someone saw the potential in this one and went, okay, we can fix this. <laughs> we can do this better. Yep, that'd be great. But, uh, 
Lydia, thank you very much for uh, joining me. As always, a lot of fun to talk about it. Thank you. I keep, th- well, I keep thinking I'm going to watch this movie again and try to force myself to like it more. <laughs> <laughs> it it Because you want it to be better than it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, thank, yeah, thank you very much, and thanks for talking about it. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> Thank, uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate it. I uh, hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. I hope you've enjoyed listening to us talk about it as much <laughs> as we've enjoyed talking about it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we will be back in another month with another film. So until then, thank you again for listening, and we'll talk to you then. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Bye.